Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Hello, and welcome to the Psychology Podcast with Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman, where we give you insights into the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. Each episode will feature a new guest who will stimulate your mind and give you a greater understanding of yourself, others, and the world we live in. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. Luke Smiley on the podcast. Luke is a personality researcher and senior lecturer at the University of Melbourne. He runs the Personality Processes Lab. Luke, hey, Scott. great to have you on here. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, you, uh, you teach a course in happiness, is that right? Uh, I teach uh, across several courses, um, largely in uh, personality and social psychology. But in some of those subjects, uh, yeah, I teach uh, some lectures into well-being and happiness, and um, and I've run a few seminars on that. Yeah, and it's uh, great that they have Professor Smiley in the course. Yeah, <laughs> it's, probably, yeah, it's uh, a nice little coincidence there. Big attraction to the course. I find yeah. your research really quite fascinating and debunking a lot of the myths about um, personality variation, particularly in the introversion, extroversion dimension. I'm very interested in, in the core aspects differentiating introverts from extroverts because people talk about all these kinds of differences and I'm not convinced they're, you know, the, these things in the popular media really are the core essential aspects. I thought today we could really get to the nitty gritty of this. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I mean, that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's something that, that interests me as well. Uh, the, the disconnect between the popular conception of what extroversion introversion is which is, is it's really probably the the personality trait that's become a household name and yet the way in which it's defined in the popular sphere is 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 uh well it differs from one person to another but it also differs sharply with um the definition that's being used in in psychological science so i think there's a lot of confusion around the, the well, who's right i mean who, how do we objectively know who's right i mean you guys could be wrong 
<laughs> yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's absolutely correct. I mean, I don't think anyone really owns the, you know, can sort of claim that they own the term and that their definition is correct. Yeah. Have you, so have you read Susan Cain's book, Quiet? Yeah, I've read Susan Cain's Quiet. Yep. Yep. What are your thoughts that. on that, on some of her conceptualizations of introversion? Um, I mean, I think that um, I think the books really its its value, I suppose, is that there are a lot of people who um, identify as an introvert in the way that she defines introversion and feel maybe marginalised or just not. Um, not sort of part of, uh, not, not as well accepted by particularly Western society where um, extroversion and, and, and uh, traits surrounding confidence and talkativeness and outgoingness are really valued. So I, I think the, the book really speaks for a lot of people who, who are maybe, um, you know, tired of the, the, what what might be perceived to be the most desirable characteristics to have, and uh, and she's basically saying, oh, well, there are these other characteristics that people have that can be really valuable too. Um, so that that's that's what I think I really like about the book. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, empower, it's empowering to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, the 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 disagreement that that I guess a lot of people in personality would have is, is again around that, that definition of, of introversion. And, um, and yeah, I mean, there's, that's not to say the one, you know, who, who's right and who's wrong there. Um, but uh, it's more, I mean, you could think of it more as a translation. So when I read Susan Cain's work, um, I'm really interpreting it as a combination of, um, of low introversion as well as some other traits such as uh, openness. Low, low introversion? Do you mean low extroversion? Sorry, low, yes. Introversion, low extroversion. So when, when she's talking about introversion, I, I'm indeed interpreting it as introversion, but um, with some other traits surrounding uh, openness and, um, and also conscientiousness. And neuroticism. Yeah, yeah, uh, neuroticism too. Yeah. So basically, all of personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there, there are some. I, I occasionally, I, I, I also see elements of agreeableness there with being. Um, she often talks about introverts as being more sort of sensitive to others and more yeah. thoughtful and and aware of how they're impacting on others, and that's sounding a little bit like agreeableness as well. Yeah. So. So I guess the main the main disagreement would be that I think there are clearly many people who fit her definition of introversion, but I don't think that there that trait she's talking about is a sort of exists as a basic dimension of personality. Um, that, that's where the the divergences, I guess, between the, the popular use of the term and the the terms that's used in in psychological science. Well, let me let me say something here. You know, hmm. I. It's possible that even if it, all the traits and characteristics she puts under the umbrella of introversion don't cohere scientifically as a single mm. source of variation, that doesn't yeah. necessarily follow that they don't all belong under the label of introversion. That becomes a conceptual issue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know what I mean? mean? I, would, I would say that the, I mean, my preference would actually be that that, that psychologists didn't use the term introversion. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just sort of stuck. I think it's going to, it would take a while to, um, to, it's such an ingrained term because, you know, the, the dimension's been around for, you know, 60, 70 years in personality psychology. But I think it's not, um, I mean, it means inward focusing, doesn't it? But it's introversion as described, as defined by psychologists is, um, is more about just being less active, less bold, less talkative, less social, more quiet, and, and so forth. It's nothing necessarily about inwardness. Um, so I actually quite like the term. I can't remember where he suggested it, but um, our mutual colleague, Colin DeYoung, has suggested uh, a term, detachment. Yes. What, and, and you can see why people who identify as introverts really take issue with the way we describe introverts because they're, they're probably saying, oh, this sounds like people are really kind of detached and, uh, and lethargic. We're not that like that. That sounds insulting. That sounds yeah. insulting. <laughs> and, and, you know, we say, but we're not talking about you guys. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. It does get very tricky. I, um, I've, I've had the great pleasure of, of collaborating with Susan Keen and her research and her, uh, her team there. Um, yeah. Doing this is the new the the thing she just launched. Um, what's it called? The the quiet quiet revolution. revolution. Yeah, yeah, she just launched the quiet revolution. We came up with a new test of introversion, which uh, you know, Colin's like okay with it. <laughs> you know, so it's got yeah. so it's got some you know, and you know, and Adam Granite uh, Penn really likes the model. But let me tell yeah. you the two aspects that we came up with. Let me see if I can guess. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd love to see it if you can guess. And just so you know, I, I saw the website. I saw the website, and I um, yes. I scrolled through the items, and there are definitely two facets there. And one of them, I would say, is 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 um, uh, classic introverted, low sociability, maybe, and the other is more um, something more. What I would say is related to conscientiousness, persistence, or something like that. Okay, so that's you almost nailed it. Yeah. Um, well, the second as the second aspect is deliberation. Deliberation. Yeah. Okay. Versus action. Need for deliberation versus you know um, tendency towards action immediately without thinking through the consequence. So there's this kind of risk taking as self control aspect to it. Yeah, and that that kind of that that sort of resonates with a with how Susan talks about um, introversion in the book that. Um, Introverts are these sort of um, quiet but determined people, um, or, or, or people who basically think things through before doing it. You don't just blurt things out and, and fly off the handle. They um, they're kind of considered quiet and considered people. That's right, and that aspect is not very well captured on the Big Five, um, j just at the higher order level. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think now about how the sort of lower level traits of the aspect or facet level of the big five would correlate. So and, not even uh, at the aspect level uh, of the BFAS model, like conscientiousness, you know, you yeah. have orderliness and um, uh, orderliness and uh, ambition or something like that. Like industriousness, industriousness, right. It still doesn't quite fit even in those two. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's even lower order than that. But yeah, I mean, I was just, cause one of the, the things of course is that, Components of the, the big five are, are not as independent as um, people often uh, assume or, or describe them to be. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, you do have this these sort of margins where 
some aspects or facets of one big five trade are highly correlated with another. Yeah. So, you know, you, you constantly see that, that low extroversion is correlated with very strongly uh, positively related to the withdrawal aspect of neuroticism. Yeah. And we yeah, find, that's um, right. we're talking like we found, you know, 0. 0.60 correlations there in large samples. Yeah. So you yeah. can't ignore that. You can't deny that. You know? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. yeah, and so in that first, let's talk about the first aspect of our of our model, um, which you described as like sociability. And I would it does that is the that aspect correlates much much more highly with uh, big, big five extroversion than the deliberation yeah. one. However, yeah. I don't think you know we call it stimulation. We think it goes it goes above just sociability. Yeah. To this general sort of reward per sensitivity, and yeah. um. You know, and, and and that really gets to the heart of a lot of the research you've been doing on yeah. extroversion. So that might sure. be a good segue into um, maybe you can explain a little bit how you've tried to tackle the 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 question of uh, what is extroversion, what is this the core psychological uh, mechanism underlying extroversion? Yeah, um, the reward sensitivity theory is um, is one that I've I've definitely become persuaded by. The reward sensitivity theory of extroversion, and um, I kind of got to that point. What you, in, in a way that you might describe as a kind of bottom-up approach, that I, I was very interested in in theories that had suggested that um, that uh, variation in the functioning of the brain's reward system would likely have consequences for personality that is if there they were kind of individual differences in how motivated people were by rewards then that 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 should come out somewhere as a major trait or that should be related to a major aspect of our personality and um and in the the 90s and the early 2000s there was a lot of um there still wasn't much consensus about what that trait might look like some people were saying uh you know, impulsivity uh, and some people had, had said extroversion, and um, and I I, I was um, at, at that in the early two thousands. Um, you know, my the question that that motivated me or that interested me, if you like, is what is the what is the trait that's um, really reflecting these differences in reward sensitivity? And I think ten years on. Um, my impression is that there's really now a lot of consensus around um, reward sensitivity being one of the, the key underlying mechanisms um, yes. that, uh, that account for um, differences in, in extroversion. Yes. You said there is a consensus, right? I think so. Um, I, I, I feel that um, uh, that you don't I, – I don't sort of see any evidence of – um, any sort of debate or discussion around it's it's kind of become definitional now when people describe what extroversion is if they get anywhere into the theory about it they're usually saying um, uh, reward sensitivity or um, or approach motivation and, and sort of related mechanisms usually get a mechanism a mention so I, I agree um, now we let's be very clear we're talking about appetitive rewards yeah you know yeah. we're talking about like you know like Money, sex, um, you yep. know, um, uh, uh, power. Yeah, um, yeah. All yeah. these things that narcissists like. <laughs> yes, that's true. So I find it interesting. There's a very high correlation between grandiose narcissism and extroversion. Probably similar yeah. mechanisms at play there. Which is not surprising, and that, and that um, 
yeah, not to go too much on a tangent, but that I think um, one of the the other because um, we're we're talking about conceptualizing extroversion introversion before, and one of the um, conceptual confusions or, or, or clarifications I think that's often needed is pe people interpret extroversion as basically being kind of nice and friendly. Um, there's that blurring between extroversion and agreeableness. Um, but I think in an important sense, a lot of what's underlying extroversion is... Um, Social is, attention. Yeah, is, is just attention and, and, uh, and, and well, even selfishness. Um, and... Uh, uh, a, a strong focus on um, gains for oneself. It's such a good point. Such, mm. such a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then, of course, you get these blends where you can get high agreeableness and high extroversion. And then yeah. and, and it has a different flavor than uh, very low extroversion and, high, and very high agreeableness. It kind of yeah. – it, it the, that kind of – these people look di – they, 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 they not look different, but they act yeah. differently. They act differently. Yeah, yeah. They look different. Some have a bigger forehead, you know. <laughs> um, it's, it's this extroversion agreeableness distinction sometimes really vexes um, some of my students and um, – I mean, I often get the question, um, can you, you know, can you even have a person who's really extroverted, but really low on agreeableness? And, um, oh, yes. my, fa my favorite joke, uh, apologies. Um, my favorite joke is, yeah, of course you can. They're over in the business school. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Apologies. They're very agentic. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very yeah. agentic. Um, mm. yeah. So, you know, it's very interesting how all these blends can, you know, um, can, can, well, basically, we're just saying that people are complex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. we're saying that, and, and that's that's also, I think, um, you know, maybe it's a, an obvious point, but it's also why people have, even when they know a lot about um, models of personality, they might have a little bit of difficulty describing themselves because they're often they're trying to think of these traits in isolation, whereas when you for each individual, they're, they're complex blends of these traits in most instances. Absolutely. Um, mm. You know, I want to be clear, this uh, new test of introversion uh, yeah. that we came up with, it was built completely from uh, a self-identification of introversion perspective. You know, yeah. it was we, we wanted to see which items would correlate most strongly with um, the item I identify as an introvert. All oh, right, oh, that's a really interesting approach. Yeah, so it's a different kind of approach than the Big Five took, and yeah. we specifically for the purposes of of creating a scale that that introverts could really identify with. Yeah, and we yeah. found that those were the two. So it's it's the scientific finding there that might be useful to the field is we found these two aspects really get the core of what everyday people think of when yeah. they think of introversion. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting because if I were to if I were to have made a prediction, I would have expected so you know, in big five terms, this measure that you have is is like a blend of um components of extroversion and components of um conscientiousness. Right. I, I what I would have expected in big five terms is a blend of extroversion and openness. Um because the the popular conceptualization of introversion is often this kind of inward person who enjoys their inner mental life, who is very um, curious and not just sort of quiet and uh, and, and more reserved, but very um, you know loves reading and and loves right, to right. think about ideas and all of these uh, these these characteristics yeah. you're 
um, link with openness. But keep so in I'm mind, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Keep in mind that the 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 way that the items, if you actually look at the nitty gritty items, there aren't any items like I love to read. You know. Yeah. So if you just if you think about it for a second, we found that you know in the BFS mod, the big the aspects, the openness to experience domain has intellect and openness, right? And you right. we found that our scale is negatively correlated with intellect, but positively correlated with openness. Because the right. kinds of items on the intellect scale are, I'm a quick thinker. I like quickly thinking. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah. a completely at odds with with people say I like to deliberate before I think. So I yeah, think yeah. that this scale kind of highlights the important the distinction, the important distinction between quick thinking and deep thinking, or, yeah, yeah, or reflective, yeah. reflective thinking. Yeah, that's interesting. Does that make sense? So you yeah, so that's absolutely. why we don't find our scale. If you look at the um, the higher order level of openness to experience, you get nothing. But mm. it's only really when you break it into the two aspects, then you find like it is positively correlated with openness. Things like I see beauty, you know, I'm very sensitive to the environment. And we also yeah. find that our, you know, first fa aspect of uh, stimulation is very highly related to the withdrawal aspect of neuroticism and the yeah. highly sensitive person scale that um, has mm. been created by the Aaron's. So there yeah. is this course, there is this sensitivity aspect that is, you're right, it is part of self-identification of introversion, but it, you really kind of only see that when you separate out the intellect kind of items. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm so glad you find that interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so, yeah, so, but a lot of this stuff, you know, it really does get definitional and conceptual. There is no objective truth of what the real introversion is like will the real introversion stand up yeah yeah i mean which is why that's that's why i think in in some ways um i'm not saying everybody should stop using the label but it's it's become a a, a troublesome term because it's um because it has so many different um it, it does have quite a few different conceptualizations um I mean, at least troublesome in 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 the context of um of, of uh, the, the the goals of um personality research, I suppose. Um, yeah, I hear intelligence researchers make the same argument about intelligence. Yeah, yeah, I guess like, so. like Scott, shut up, shut up. You're making it harder for us to measure G. And it's <laughs> like you know, well, I'm sorry that we're like disrupting your science, but there are real people out there in the world yeah. who this this these conceptualizations affect their lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I like I totally see it from the point of view of the scientist because I am a scientist too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean these 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 impact these labels do mean something to people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, how, how do you spot an extrovert or know if you are one? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, obviously speak to the, the big five definition again, but, um, I mean, there's a whole area of research that, um, I haven't, I haven't really, I haven't done any research in this area myself, but that I've, that I've found really interesting is um is in personality judgments which is really which is really about that um how how accurately can um someone perceive your personality from the outside okay and, um extroversion is is always found to be the most easily judged or or i mean actually accuracy is not really the right way to talk about it you really talk about consensus so um if i um, 
how, how close a match is there between how you describe yourself on extroversion and how others describe you on extroversion. And even if that person has, has never even met you and they just see you in a, um, a very, you know, have, have been introduced for maybe five minutes, um, they will get reasonable levels of consensus. They'll very quickly be able to pick up on how extroverted you are. And, and that's because um, most of um, the components of extroversion uh, are, are behavioral, uh, visible. Um, and so it's, it's quite, I mean, I actually had a, a probably the, the episode that really convinced me that, that it sounds like a funny thing to say, but, um, the personality was real. Um, so I feel like unknowingly for a while when, like when I was doing my PhD personality traits, these were just sort of variables. These were hypothetical variables. I never really thought of them as being sort of real things about real people. And then I was doing a study where, I had extreme scores on extroversion, um, high and low, coming into the lab, and it was for an EEG study. And it takes about sort of a half hour to get everything ready for the EEG study, to put the electrode cap on and to do a, a range of things. And I found I was blind to – I didn't know how um, – when they came into the lab, I didn't know what their score was, what group they belonged to, whether they were high or low. But I knew about two minutes later because the the extroverts were so talkative and so engaged and so um uh, kind of wired almost um you just knew immediately who was in the high extroverted group so i think it's 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 actually very easy to to spot an extrovert yeah yeah um mm. it, at the extremes and i think this this, this brings a, an interesting question is what is an ambivert? What do you believe in the idea of an ambivert? And would you say most people really are ambiverts? Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, I mean, I, I don't think there's, um, I mean, the whole time we've been saying extrovert and introvert, um, they're just shorthands. Of course, there are no categories and, 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 you know, by the same token, I, I wouldn't sort of say there's a sort of a, a, a category in the middle of ambiverts, but, um, but, most people, the majority of people, will not be at the extremes by definition. They're going to be somewhere around the middle. And maybe that's another reason why it's often hard to uh, identify. That, that's, that's where it may be hard to identify somebody as, as more or less extroverted because they might not be more or less extroverted. They might be somewhere in the middle. Um, and that's where the majority of people are going to fall. Okay, and so there's this like you know trying to figure out some of these defining characteristics. Some mm. a lot of introverts say you know it really is about how you recharge your batteries. Like, do you yeah, get energized so by people, or do you get ener or do you get not the opposite of energized? What's the what's the opposite of the word energized? <laughs> uh, what's the opposite of uh, de-energized? <laughs> de-energized. So, so sorry, do you mean um, extroverts being energized? Yes. I just didn't hear that. Energized by people. By people, by, by vigorous social interactions. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I would say that it's maybe not inherently uh, social. Um, it, it happens that, um, I mean, this brings us back to, I think the idea of getting energized by social interactions is ultimately consistent with the reward sensitivity 
idea. So the reward sensitivity idea, I, I've sort of described as extroverts basically get more bang for the buck. They get they get a lot more of that um, positive enjoyment out of, um, of of rewarding stimulating situations. And I just think one of the most important rewarding situations for human beings are, are social situations. Um, uh, human contact is rewarding. Many of the rewards we obtained we get via uh, humans or they're somehow embedded in uh, social okay. contact. Give, can I mean, you give some you examples? Well, you mentioned power, for example. So power and status is uh, is is um, rewarding and desirable and it's, it's inherently embedded in social context. Um, but also... Um, People are, I don't, want to, I don't want to sort of describe people as a means to an end, but um, you, you rely on people to get many of the things you want. You, it's very difficult to get many of the things you want just on your own. Um, so um, whether it be, um, you know, getting a, <laughs> to get promoted at work, you need, there's, there's somebody who needs to, um, to actually give you that promotion. Um, so I think pe- people are a lot of, a lot of rewards we depend on people to get, and a lot of rewards are embedded in uh, in, in social processes themselves. Um, That's an excellent point. And, uh, and so I'm, kind of, I'm I'm really interested in that because I think for a lot of people, extroversion is quintessentially social. Yeah. Uh, but I'm interested in, and this is something I think is really hard to disentangle. Is um is it is it is it so you have you have some people who 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 their kind of version of the reward sensitivity theory of extroversion is uh, that the, the mechanism underlying extroversion is a mechanism for attracting social attention. So that yep. that's sort of that's that's saying the core of extroversion it's really driven by some essentially social mechanism. Right. But I, I wonder if if uh, if um, if it's broader than that, and it just as I say, it just happens that that so much of what we're motivated by. Is, um, is is somehow embedded within or connected to um, social processes. Yeah, this is a this is an ongoing debate. You know, there there was that that study where they um, tried to uh, measure the social aspect and remove the reward value, the way the yeah. items were ordered. And um, yeah. you know, Colin and I looked at those items and we're like, wait a minute, these items actually are all just extroversion items. So they're just yeah. like standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the um, the one maybe about ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there was this back and forth with other, you know, the other research saying, I think the key is this, I think the key is this, you know, it's reward sensitivity, yeah. no, it's social attention. Um, yeah, it is hard to really pinpoint, you. and, and, and you know, when we say the the core, what we're, what we're saying, you know, to tr- translate into, into science language, we're, we're saying what's the common variance. Yeah. And that's what yeah. we're saying. But that's not really intuitive to the everyday person what that, what that means. Right. Common variance, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there are maybe two ways of the um, two things that we're interested in on the science side, and there's the common variance. So that's really what I guess that's the defining characteristics, I suppose, or what the what the central you know, if extroversion is really a, a cluster of characteristics and traits, what is the the core of uh, those characteristics and traits? But I think another thing is is almost um, at a at a kind of different level. It's kind of what's underlying or producing this. Um, uh, what, what accounts for these traits clustering together so closely? And uh, and that's that's um, 
just going back to the reward sensitivity idea again, I mean, that's one thing that I find really compelling about the idea of extroversion being underpinned by the motivation to pursue all kinds of rewards because I think many of the key traits and characteristics that are kind of bound up in extroversion can be um, their coherence, um, the, the common denominator they have. Um, uh, it, it seems plausible that that could be uh, approach motivation and the, the desire to seek rewards. Right. So everything from, you know, sociability because of all the, what we just discussed with rewards being embedded in social context to behavioral activity, to, uh, achievement to, um, uh, social dominance, uh, talkativeness, um, and, and positive effort. Yeah. Leadership, assertiveness. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, it's, it's also hard to distinguish between the, like statements that are just like part of the human condition versus differentiating real, like variation. Because like when you say something like, Sometimes I could be really extroverted, but sometimes I like to relax quietly at home. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like who is like gonna say, "Oh, that's not me at all." You know, like that's such a yeah, that's yeah. just called being like freaking human. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. how can you word? Is, do you only really get at it when you word things like "I prefer on average" to you know? We're talking about we're just talking about averages. We're not talking about absolutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think. I mean, I, I hope I'm on the right track here. I think I think there are there are sort of two um, things that re- that relate to what you're saying there, and and one is um, I think when people are responding to one one is how we measure how we typically measure personality with a questionnaire, and and if if you focus on any one item, yeah, you're right. It seems like well, yeah, any anyone could agree with this, uh, or it might depend on the day whether I agree with this or not. And, um, uh, and, and that, that really sort of, um, I think that underlies a lot of doubt about how well you can measure personality with these questionnaire items. And, and I guess what I always encourage people to think about is, um, I mean, yeah, that, that you can, you can take issue with any one item, but over, over sort of. 20 of these, if you've consistently agreed with all kinds of different items about this kind of characteristic, um, then, then maybe that is starting to say something, um, uh, meaningful about you. Yeah. Uh, like Wolf. Was, the, yeah. Oh, uh, just, I was going to say the other, the other point that maybe relates to what you were saying is, um, is the, I, I really like the approach of, uh, Will Fleeson, um, who I was just going to say Will Fleeson. Yeah. Who, who really formalizes, so we, we've we've kind of tended to conceptualize personality traits as these regularities in the way you behave and regularities in behavior and experience. And he's kind of formalized it by saying, yeah, you know, where our behavior and experience, so take characteristics relating to extroversion, dominance and talkativeness, that's actually varying for everyone all over the place, across time, across situations. But if you look back over those, that, that time period, you'll, you'll, you'll see that people have a sort of an average level. And you're saying that's what we're talking about. If, you, if your average level is relatively high, then, then you are by definition relatively extroverted. Even if you spent many times during the week being quite talkative or relaxed, uh, you know, whether you're being talkative or not, whether you're being 
you know, relaxed or really outgoing. Yeah, I really like that approach. It really is. At the end of the day, your personality is 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 simply your habits of behavior on average. Like that yeah. that's all your personality is. It's it's yeah. like you can change your personality literally if you like change your habits, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a really I don't know if you've seen this, um there's a really amazing paper. It it's sort of amazing in a way that it's taken so long for a paper like this to come out, but it's um it's just following up people who who um who want to make certain changes to their personality. And um and I mean, without going into all the details, it just it, it, it shows what people have suspected for a while that volitional change in personality is possible. And um, yeah, yeah, and and you know, in the in the case of extroversion, I mean, that that may be, as you say, just sort of cultivating habitual ways of behaving. So, you, can you make yourself more extroverted? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, the the, the kind of I think that's a common goal, particularly when for people who have maybe jobs or situations in in which it can be more advantageous to be a little more bold and, and dominant and, and talkative. So, um, like being a lecturer, you know, you, I, I'm probably I think overall I'm probably slightly low on extroversion, maybe middling to middling to just just below average maybe but um it's uh it's it's helpful so i mean i i can be a better lecturer um if i behave in a more extroverted way and and i think you cultivate people can cultivate these ways of behaving in particular situations um but i guess people may also have for whatever reason they may feel like it would be better if they were higher or lower extroversion um maybe they they feel they could just be more outgoing and and um and energized and they and they can cultivate different ways of behaving can you make yourself more introverted uh i I guess so um i mean certainly the the sort of studies that i've been interested in again it was will fleason who, who who um developed this paradigm and and i've now done a couple of studies in this area as well we're just in a in a small lab context um, where there is an interactive exercise that a few people are working on. You can just instruct people to behave in ways that are more characteristic of being either extroverted or introverted. And um, I mean, people people will behave behave in those ways, and you see um, effects of acting in a more extroverted way that are. Um, reminiscent of actually being more extroverted, um, okay. Which is is quite interesting. I mean, I guess that that whole area of research basically suggests that if um, if extroversion is just typically it is just the the kind of your an, an average level of certain behaviors and experiences, then if you if you actually um, engage or disengage in those behaviors, then on average you by definition will be lower on. Uh, Lower or higher in extroversion. That's right. That's that's exactly right. And mm. right, it doesn't mean that if you're an introvert, mm. you know, meaning you score extremely high in introversion on the bell curves, that yeah. doesn't mean that you never have extroverted behaviors. No, no, yeah. and that's that's um, another. I mean, 
that, that's kind of why I like this approach of Will Fleeson's in talking about your average levels because, you know, a, a typical response when people learn about personality might be, but, you know, I'm, I would say I'm quite introverted, but there are plenty of times where I'm, you know, I'll be at a, at a party and I'll be being really gregarious and, and, and love being in the center of attention at that particular point and, and we'll be really talking with all my friends and, but I'm just not like that all the time. That's right. And, and, and that, that definition allows for that. You go, yeah, you know, being, being an introvert does not mean you have an inability to be more extroverted. Um, it just means you have a tendency to be less extroverted. Well, you know, I find it interesting that introversion is is correlated with uh, deficits in in social intelligence tests. Mm -hmm. So maybe there is something going on there, which the less you exercise it, the less developed those skills are. Yeah, possibly. Um, I always find that very interesting, even though, of course, I don't want to stereotype. There's plenty of introverts with great social skills. But you do find that correlation. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I haven't... I haven't sort of seen a really clear picture of um, what's going on there. Um, the, the literature seems sort of fragmented there, but there was, there was a paper a long time ago that um, that found some evidence for the idea that um, it may not be uh, social skills per se that, that um, introverts lack, um, but that extroverts are a little bit better at, uh, at, at multitasking and that a lot of um, what's required in social interaction requires you to keep track of a lot of different pieces of information. You've got to be keeping track of what you're saying, what the other person's saying, when it's your turn to talk, and so forth. And um, so it may, I mean, there's basically some indication that there are a few, um, uh, I guess, more cognitive skills that may may vary with extroversion that, that, that actually may um, explain some of those more social, um, uh, the, the apparent differences in, in, in social skills. That is very interesting. You know that um, the author... It's, it's very fragmented. I, I haven't seen much on that, that topic, to be honest. There, there certainly needs to be more research <laughs> on it. Um, yeah. I find it very interesting that the, there's such a strikingly high correlation between the autism spectrum quotient Mm. And introversion, yeah, it's very yeah. very high. Yeah, and that I I, I don't have a a really good um, hypothesis about that except just to to I mean it may be the case that um, there are kind of there are multiple ways in which you can be um, less uh, talkative and sociable and engaged and. Uh, and so forth, and, and and the autism quotient that may be picking up more on a um, you would you would expect that is picking up more on a on, on kind of skill deficits and um and and cognitive um, uh, capacities, whereas um, introversion may be a little bit more about um, about sort of preferences and, and, and the habitual ways of behaving. I like that. I like that model a lot. There's multiple okay. paths to these these different traits. Yeah, which yeah, I guess which is you know the the thornier side of of personality. I mean, you you could just you could say, oh, it's as simple as that. If you if you don't um, 
if you're not very bold and assertive and, and talkative and behavioral active, then, then you're introverted. But there could be many reasons why somebody is not bold, assertive, and talkative. Right. Mm-hmm. So is it better to be more extroverted or introverted? Um, yeah, that's, a, that's, um, that's probably the question that um, the popular writers on introversion really – Really hate what uh, <laughs> I imagine they really dislike what the uh, what a lot of research has shown about extroversion. Well, yeah, a lot of researchers have shown that extroversion is correlated with higher well-being, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And um, and and yeah, there's a lot of people who who you know self-identify as an introvert and 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 don't really like that idea. And uh, there's there's a great book chapter by uh, John Zelensky at Carlton or Carleton, Carleton University in Canada, um, which kind of walks through all of the objections um, uh, to this idea that extroverts are happy, uh, uh, you know, perhaps happier or higher on measures of well-being. Can um, you send me that? Yeah, I will send it to you. It's it's really it's really I think it's an, a nice instructional chapter because it kind of it kind of goes through each different objection one by one. But um, I mean, I think, I think the, the research is, is pretty clear. It's extroversion uh, is one of the, the strongest predictors of a, a range of well-being constructs. But I think um, the, the, the caveat maybe, or, or, the, or the thing that I guess the thing to bear in mind is um, I think there are a couple of things to bear in mind, which um, may make you come short of saying that it's, that it's therefore better to be higher in extroversion. Um, one, one thing is that um, the aspects of well-being that extroversion predict most clearly are really those intense positive emotions, um, the, what, what's often called activated positive affect, those feelings of liveliness and excitement and enthusiasm that aroused positive affect. And um, and if you if you kind of narrow the focus to that, then um, it's it's not immediately clear that that is um, uh, you know the be all and end all. In fact, there's there's some evidence that people lower on extroversion or more introverted people actually prefer lower levels of those intense positive states anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. And Susan would make that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that would be that. I think is probably, um, yeah, the the main reason that you, you would maybe want to come a little bit short of saying, oh, it's it's therefore better to be more extroverted, um, because it's, I guess, because extroversion is not only correlated with the levels of those positive emo- emotions, but also the preferences for those levels. Exactly. Exactly. They actually be. I mean, one one idea I find interesting is that. Um, so we've talked about how you can act more or less extroverted, and one idea I find interesting is that the way people habitually act is a that it, it, it can partly function as a mood regulation um, strategy. So extroverts may behave in a way that that routinely brings them to these higher levels of positive emotion that they prefer 
while introverts may routinely behave in a way that keeps them at those slightly lower levels of these um, these particular positive emotions. Yeah. There's two projects um, I want to work on with uh, some students over the course of next year. Um, one is, is maybe cataloging some of the more quiet positive emotions like contentment. Right. Um, yeah. And that, and that is not – well, this is this paper that, uh, that um, Colin and I, Colin DeYoung and I worked on last year. Um, those emotions are, are not really – those positive emotions are not really predicted by extroversion at all. That's a really important finding, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my sort of take on that issue – it's it's one of those it really was one of those situations where it was hard to know whether I was confused or whether there was a confusion in the literature. And so either the uh the paper clarifies something for the literature or it just clarifies my own confusion. Um <laughs> and the but the confusion is, yeah, that people use the word positive emotions to refer to actually quite a wide range of um constructs. And um those quieter positive emotions that you, you mentioned, um, the only um, time, the, the only way in which that seems to be related to higher extroversion is um, is as a result of extroverts tending to be a little bit lower on some aspects of neuroticism. So basically once you control for neuroticism, um, there's, there's really no relation between extroversion and those kind of quiet, content, satisfied, relaxed um, uh, mood states. Do you mean like you're you're basically controlling for emotional stability? Yeah, 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 yeah. Most, not, not the other end. Like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Because you you would you would think those emotions would be correlated with emotional stability. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't like this question of which which is better, which personality trait is better, because we're talking we're talking about you know that's ignoring blends, that's ignoring the yeah. all. If there is no all else being equal, you know, all else being equal in the real yeah. world doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I really I don't know I can't explain why I, I'm really. I mean, I have the same reaction. I don't like talking about better or worse ends of different personality traits, and that's that's. For that reason, one of the, the, the kind of finding that I, I really enjoy when I when I see it come out in a in a paper is where a trait that you normally think of as or that many people think of as being like the bad end turns out turns out to have some advantage or or, or a, a, a so called good trait turns out to predict something um, undesirable and uh, I just like those reminders that there's there's really um, there are strengths and weaknesses of of, of high or low ends of any characteristic. I don't think overall any, with, with the exception that I, I think it's, you know, there, there are very few advantages to being high in neuroticism or, or low in emotional stability. Um, with, with that exception, maybe, I think that, that, that all traits have, have really positive, um, all, all, both ends of all traits have really, can have really yeah. positive. Um, I don't know, tell some of the greatest poets of all time that their high neuroticism was a disadvantage. <laughs> to their <laughs> to their poetry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I think I mean this is just totally anecdotal, but um, you know, when thinking about um, historical characters and characters in film and literature, I think you often see the um, uh, it, 
you, you see in a, they often tend to, um, you would characterize them as high in neuroticism. Um, but I think you would also characterize them uh, as being high in openness as well. And those two often um, uh, in combination uh, uh, get, get blended together. I think that's absolutely true. And, and specifically the openness aspect. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, yeah. This has been such a fascinating conversation. I want to be respectful of all your time, but we haven't even gotten into the neurochemistry yet and all that. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> so what is the role of nature and nurture in determining introversion? Um, I think we can pretty much say that it's a mix of both. But, yeah. but do you think to some extent introversion, extroversion can be influenced all by how you're treated by your peers when you're younger? Uh, I mean, I guess there's there's some um, there's I've seen a few ideas along those lines. For example, that um, there are often um, uh, I think extroverts tend to be slightly taller, and uh, there's a, there's a sort of a maybe it's a sort of a wacky fringe idea that that differences in the height often um, impact on how you're treated. Uh, growing up, maybe by your peers, and um, and that that may have a role in the the development of a more sort of introverted, I guess a less more or less dominant uh, personality. Um, so there, I mean, there are some ideas that I've seen um, along those lines, um, but I guess generally, um, I, I feel like a lot of um, a lot of people seem to take the, the the lesson of all the behavioral genetics research is that um, that a lot of your um, your the environmental impact is your your unique experiences. Um, right. I haven't haven't really gone further <laughs> to basically say, well, it's you know how how your your personality doesn't really depend. Um, much on those those shared experiences that are happening within the family environment, they're 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 being more driven by these unique experiences that you have outside the family environment. But I I, I don't see a lot of um, sort of following up on that to to kind of start to understand what those unique experiences might be. Right, 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 right. Um, we just know that unique experiences matter. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it. it, it I guess the answer is it seems plausible, but I, I, I don't know of a, a, a lot of work that's sort of shown that. That's fair. So the best yeah. we could say right now is it's nature and nurture. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I, wish, I wish we could see more longitudinal studies of personality development from dispositions yeah. to traits. But, yeah. 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 Um, well, okay. Well, what is the role of genes, um, the brain and neurochemicals? Um, so do you I need mean, a brain? Do you need a brain? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, all of the, all, all personality traits seem to be at least moderately heritable. Um, what does that mean? Uh, it means that, um, that, the reason, a large part of the reason that um, people differ from another or more similar to one another is um, is, is the result of uh, differences in, in genes. Yeah. And what does that uh, mean? That, that means that part of the part of your 
um, the, the the variation that you see in personality in the in the population is, is based in in differences in genetics in in in, um, uh, in ape biology. Well, I think that people don't really have a good idea of what that means. Of what even differences in genes, it doesn't mean. You know, what does that really mean in terms of the uh, the impact? On the trait, I, I saw a study recently that yeah. found the higher the heritability. This is going to blow your mind. You ready? The yeah. higher the heritability of an IQ test item, the more culturally influenced that item was. The higher the higher the heritability of that item, the more culturally influenced it was. That 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 actually kind of could make some weird a weird kind of sense. Yes. Um. In. So I don't, I don't know if this is right. This is the first time I've, I've heard this, but um, I mean, the, the kind of thought experiment I would, I would think about was imagine um, imagine four different cultures that differ really from one another, um, but each of them have uh, these very um, they don't have a lot of variation in the environment within each culture. That's interesting. Okay. So if, if if you had a situation, there's, a, there's an, an old um, saying that I think is called Hernstein's paradox, which is that if you had if you had a perfectly even-handed environment where everybody was basically under the same environmental conditions, a sort of you know radical social engineering experiment or something, then all of the variation in personality would would be genetic. Right. And the reason being that they, if there's no environmental variation, then it, it can't it can't explain why people are different from one another. So all of the differences would just be genetic. So yeah, yeah, so I that, think, yeah. Go on. Yeah, just so that 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 finding. I mean, maybe what it's saying is that that cultures there's a lot more variation in the environment between cultures than within cultures, um, and. Uh, and, and and therefore the um, the the aspects the the components so is the components of intelligence or the items of in, an intelligence well if you look at the items um, you find that they group together as either crystallized or uh, fluid mm. intelligence yeah. you find that crystallized items actually have higher heritability than mm. the uh, the fluid the crystallized are, are are in theory the ones that are more mm. dependent on learning and culture. So yeah, maybe yeah. it's just you know yeah. So this makes sense to you that that'd be higher heritability. Yeah. So, but if I mean the the high heritability may another way of expressing that might might be that there's there's not a lot of variation within any population that's that's impacting upon um, that particular aspect of intelligence. Um, but there might be variation, a lot more variation when you look at the cultural level from one culture to another. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that could make sense. Yeah, maybe it makes sense. But, uh, so we took this little it's an it, it, it's interesting. interesting. I mean, uh, it's a sort of a seemingly paradoxical finding. Yeah, exactly. So we, yeah, yeah. Which is which is what I just I it, we went on this whole tangent just and I I could easily not have brought that up is yeah. yeah I just you know I don't think it's as easy like when we say like well we know that has a heritable coefficient to really know what that really means yeah from a mechanistic point of view but um, yeah. But yeah, so we, we do know that we can say that genes influence the development of introversion. Yeah. What what have any of those genes been identified? Are they are they do they operate on the dopamine? Mean, according to your theory, they should be dopamine related genes, right? Yeah, yeah, and um, so we uh, a colleague 
of mine, uh, Jan Bakker at uh, the University of Hamburg. Uh, oh, he yeah, and I yeah, just, yeah. yeah, we just we just did a review of you know uh, tried to do a really critical review of you know where is the how how strong is the evidence for this um, the idea that extroversion is um, underpinned by dopamine function with with dopamine being the neurochemical that that uh, is involved in reward processing and um, and uh, motivation by reward and uh, and the interesting thing is that the genetic evidence and, and this this is fairly true for a lot of areas of personality but the genetic evidence is, is just really patchy so by which I mean even though behavior geneticists have told us yeah there's a strong role for genes um, identifying uh, which genes are are involved has um, has been a very um, uh, not a very successful venture so far um, so that, that's where yeah it gets sort of murky in the sense that you're right you're on one hand there seems to be good evidence that there there are these genetic influences but actually pinning them down has um has not been so successful well let me ask you something mm. there's gotta be there's got to be a, a influence of genes related dopamine because you find at the neurological level that mm. you see striatum you see you know you see some of these subcortical dopamine structures, you see yeah. differences in in them in structure structure um, yeah. bet- and function but between yeah. introverts and extroverts. Is there yeah. any way? Is there any universe in which you would see those differences without there being genetic differences at all? You know, like what would that mean? I don't. I don't think so. I, I think um, genes so influence the, structure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Genes are obviously coding for proteins that that um, that, that build the, the body and the, and the brain. Um, so they, they they do have an influence on structure. Um, I mean, where where the evidence seems to be strongest for the idea that dopamine is involved in in uh, underpinning extroversion is the, the neurochemical studies. So um, showing that um, drugs that impact on the dopamine system. Um, influence um, behavior and experience differently for extroverts and introverts. So the response to a dopaminergic drug is um, very much uh, dependent on how extroverted you are. So, I mean, that, that seems to be where the evidence base is really strongest, this, this psychopharmacological research. And it's suggesting that the, the systems that respond to um, these dopaminergic drugs are are quite different um, and and it seems quite difficult to um, imagine how um, that might that, that would not ultimately be um, at least partly influenced by genetics okay that's fair that's mm. fair so it, yeah. is, it is possible it is possible um, yeah. so yeah, and obviously experiences impact the structure of the brain as well yeah yeah yeah, but but I just keep thinking about you know a major difference, not just being structure, but but you know what what triggers dopamine release. You know, appetitive rewards seem to trigger dopamine release in extroverts more than it mm-hmm. does in introverts, and I find that really interesting because I don't think we have a really good biological understanding of like like what is like why why is that like why. What is what is what is about that nervous system that mm. that that is more sensitive 
you know, that makes this the the, the rule because we have the same quantities of dopamine in extroverts and ex- introverts. What mm. but what differs is what activates the release. So, yeah, I, I think it's um. I mean, it's not so much that there are different things that activate the release, but there's there seems to be a lower threshold, I suppose. <laughs> Good so, point. Good point. Yeah. So that the um, uh, the system as a reward processing system, it's it's working very similarly for extroverts and introverts, but it's just got a slightly more kind of hair trigger for extroverts. Um, or very much more hair trigger, depending on where you bigger, are. You know, um, events that are of motivational significance, any kind of reward events, just just really kind of uh, uh, capture um, the, the the attention of this system, if you like. Um, the, uh, you know, a, a rewarding event for an extrovert is being processed by the brains. If this is really important, you've really got to focus on this. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, in terms of why. That might be so. I mean, it's it's um, yeah. The, the ultimate reason for that is is really quite a difficult one to answer. I mean, were, were you thinking along the lines of um, you know you asked this question about early experiences? Do you wonder if there there could be early experiences that shape that kind of tune the sensitivity of that neurochemical system? Absolutely. Uh, there might be these experiences earlier in life that really switch on. Um, one child's brain to um, to really be yes. to be really strongly impacted upon by these incentives and, and reward events. Yes, I I suspect that um, that it has a lot to do with these so-called sensitivity genes that have been discovered in recent years mm-hmm. that are not um, that that these genes code for sensitivity to the environment uh, for better or worse for better and yeah. worse, and so. Early in life, some of these genes may, um, uh, you know, like really traumatic life experiences may mm. cause those genes to be hypersensitive um, and and re- result in uh, neuroticism as a, as a trait or introversion. Um, mm. Where, but um, the same genes in a very um, welcoming, encouraging environment would would be related to openness to experience and curiosity. Right. Okay. Um, and you, you do you do see some research there on. You know, depending on you know um, uh, your kind of background experience, you either have cur- intense curiosity or intense fear of the environment. Right, right. Of, yeah. of novelty. Yeah, of novelty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so much that needs to be fleshed out, you know. Yeah, um, I mean that's the interesting thing. Um, with the this whole area of the neurobiology of extroversion, I, I think, and that on the one hand, it's it's often kind of held up as the the sort of success story in personality neuroscience that um, that that's where you know we, we know most about um, the role of dopamine and extroversion. But then on the other hand, we know so little even about that. <laughs> you know, it's it's um, right. It, it, its success story is, is is also an illustration of how um, how, how how still um, in in its infancy the the whole area of, of these questions nature and nurture the um, um, how how genes might influence personality how early experiences might influence personality and shape uh, brain structure and um, neurochemical responses I mean there's just it, 
there's just there's just sort of questions everywhere still <laughs> with 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 not not so many firm answers at the moment. I mean, even the whole even the whole uh, theory, you know, the the so-called um, dopamine hypothesis of extrovert. The actual finer details of that hypothesis are very vague. It's you know you could be quite critical and say, okay, so basically. Um, all these years, the years later, all we're saying is dopamine has something to do. <laughs> something about dopamine differs between extroverts and introverts. Um, it's still not that precise. No, no, it really isn't. Um, so we don't know anything. Um, <laughs> what do you think's the future? I'll ask. I'll end with this question. Um, this interview has gone really long um, because it's. I find this stuff stuff so fascinating. But what do you see the future? What tech methodologies? What you know? How can we move the field forward? I I'll answer it my way. I'll answer what I think, and then I'd love to hear what you think. I think it's. I think there needs to be a lot more research on um, the effects of of personality times environment interactions. Um, I think you'll find that that introverts will report higher well-being when you stop with the living in an extroverted ideal world. You give them like you know like ways to express themselves and that's more conducive to how they on their own terms. Um, you may find that well-being increases. Um, right. So that's that's a possibility. Is looking at those interactions. Um, but yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, do I won't agree? just. Do you agree? I, won't, I do. I do agree. I mean, I, I think there's there's really, um, and there seems there does seem to be a sort of an increase in trying to um, to focus more on interactions between uh, personality and situations, um, and I think that that will be a, a, a real a real growth area. Um, I don't know if I could put my finger on just one thing, but I mean, I think there are a cluster of things. I mean, there's the there's, I mean, the, maybe the slightly less interesting one to talk about is the, the, the methodological advances. I mean, I think people at the moment with all of these, you know, non-replication crises and, and underpowered you know, studies that just aren't based on enough, um, on a sufficiently large sample size. I think that's all going to change. I mean, our standards for what is a good study are, are just going to change and, and that will, that will be a good thing. I mean, I, I, I think the, you know, the next 10 years relative to the last 10 years is going to, is maybe going to bring a lot more certainty because the, the, the rigor with which we do our research is, is just going to be held to a much higher standard. Um, and I think, um, I mean, maybe, um, um, one of the, the, the really sort of exciting areas to come will, will be, in the area that, that we've already gone across, that we've already sort of skipped across, that we we sort of you know reached the point where we know that uh, that there's a that, that nature and nurture is involved in personality. It's a, a product of genes in the environment, and starting to pin down some of those specific causes. So that, you know we haven't been able to pin down too many specific genes yet, but maybe maybe that's going to improve. Um, and uh, and it would be really interesting to see people starting to pin down, um, yeah, these unique experiences people have. What what kinds of unique experiences um, shape particular traits? And, I mean, that, they would be they would be they would be some examples of I would think of what I would like to see. Wow. Well, I would love to see the same stuff 
Uh, maybe we can collaborate someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> That'd be so cool, man. Well, thank you so much for this chat. It was elucidating. I hope it was elucidating to my listeners as well. Really fun. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for inviting me and uh, really interesting conversation. Thanks for listening to the Psychology Podcast with Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman. I hope you found this episode just as informative and thought-provoking as I did. If you'd like to read the show notes for this episode or hear past episodes, you can go to thepsychologypodcast.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.